0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition.
1: He said, woman, great is your faith. Your request is granted. And our daughter was healed that very moment. Jesus scanned her faith. Jesus noticed faith. He noticed your faith more than he knows how you looked, how you were dressed, how you carried yourself, comported yourself. One of the first things Jesus took a measure on when he met somebody was their faith.
0: In your walk with Christ, do you ever feel like you're following something that doesn't exist? Do you ever fall prey to the lies of the world and lose faith in the God you serve? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that the most important thing you can do in your relationship with Christ is maintain the strength of your faith. Above all else, the most important thing you can do to remain in closeness with God is to never lose sight of the prize. Ignore the lies of the world and serve the Lord with your diligence. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter 1 as he continues his message, The God Who Responds to Faith.
1: Now, I read my Bible a lot. I don't say that to sound super spiritual or any such thing but I, after many, many years of walking in the Christian faith, am more convinced than ever that you cannot live without the word of God as a believer. You must have it. Man should not live by bread alone, by eating normal food, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what we live by. Now, the Bible tells us something about God, something that we would never know if it were not for the Bible. And that is that God responds to faith. God responds to faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. You can't please him. Now, the word please, that can come across a little, uh, well, you know, if I don't have faith and he doesn't like me anymore, that's not what God is saying. It's saying that it is faith that moves the hand of God. To work on our behalf. It is faith that carries us into his presence to receive answers to prayer. Now, the word please, when it says it's impossible to please him without faith, the word please means to give pleasure to with the added idea of rendering good service to. Now, I really think that hits the meaning best. It's saying it is impossible To serve the Lord effectively uh, or to render good service to him apart from living by faith. We will never serve the Lord and bear any fruit apart from faith. We must walk by faith. The prophet Habakkuk wrote, the righteous, that's us, we've been declared righteous because of the blood of Jesus, the righteous shall live by his faith. Not by what you see, not by what you feel, not by the way things seem to look to you, but the righteous shall live by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11, the chapter of faiths, heroes, uses the phrase by faith 24 times. In one chapter, it says by faith, Samson this, by faith, Abraham that, by faith, Moses this, by faith, Rahab that. By faith, by faith, normal people did extraordinary things because they were operating by faith. Now, we're a room full of normal people, but we have an extraordinary God who lives inside of us, and he is moved by our faith. Paul wrote in Romans 1.17, the person who has God's approval will live by faith. You know the word faith is used over five times Hundred times in the Bible? Faith. Now, if God says it once, you ought to perk up and listen. But if God says it 500 times, clearly faith is an overarching through and through Genesis to Revelation concept for you and me. Faith. 500 times. By faith, normal men and women moved in extraordinary dimensions because God moved on behalf of their faith. Now, you know, it's interesting to me when I study the life of Jesus, I love reading about Jesus, what he did, what he said, how he dealt with people, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. If I want to know what God looks like, I look at Jesus. Now, when I study the life of Jesus, I am struck at how many times he dealt with people different people's faith level. Jesus was always scanning and judging and sort of taking the temperature of people's faith. And I've noticed that not once did he ever rebuke a man or a woman for having too much faith. I haven't been able to find it. Never did he say, you should never have stepped out in faith like that. Not one time, he never rebuked faith. But guess what? He did regularly rebuke people for their lack of faith or their little faith. Now I'm gonna tell you, he wasn't saying you don't have enough. He was saying you're not using what you've got because faith comes to us by God. And he doesn't give one person a thimbleful and another person a tablespoonful. He's given to every man a measure of, of faith. And so if you don't have enough, then that's saying that God didn't give you enough and that didn't happen. He was saying to them, you have it, but you're not using it. You have it, but you're not applying it. You're not working it. That's what he's saying. Sometimes Jesus was even amazed at the level of a person's faith. He said to the woman who asked him to heal her demon-possessed daughter, He said, woman, great is your faith. Your request is granted. And our daughter was healed that very moment. Jesus scanned her faith. Jesus noticed faith. He noticed your faith more than he noticed how you looked, how you were dressed, how you carried yourself, comported yourself. One of the first things Jesus took a measure on when he met somebody was their faith. On the flip side, Jesus was sometimes amazed at a person's lack of faith. He went to his own hometown and when he went to his own hometown where he'd been raised, he knew everybody, they knew him. It says he could not do, I want you to listen to this. He could not do any miracles there in his own hometown, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief amazed at their unbelief. Now notice because of their unbelief, miracles were quenched because of their unbelief. Not much was going on because of their unbelief. The move of God was stagnated, hindered and halted. Faith matters. Can you say that with me? Faith matters. Now I want you to say with me, I've got enough. Now say with me, I've got all I need. I just need to use it. Now turn to your neighbor and tell him that's good preaching. In Matthew 13, in his parable of the mustard seed, Jesus talked about the way that faith should grow. Faith should always be a growing thing. He says we go by faith to faith, glory to glory, victory to victory. Faith should never remain stagnant. He talked about the way faith should grow, starting out as the smallest of seeds, the mustard seed, but ultimately blossoming into a great tree where others find comfort and shade from the heat. Without faith, says the Bible, it is impossible to please or rightly serve the Lord. You must use your faith. I can personally testify to you today that faith can rewrite your future. Now, I'm going to tell you, the devil will tell you some things about your future, The devil will tell you you're never going to amount to anything, or because of your mistakes, you can't go anywhere, or because of what you've done, God has done with you, and all of them are lies. Faith can rewrite your future. The most powerful thing a person can do to change their life is to put their life in the hands of Jesus and say, Lord, no matter what mess I've made of it, I totally, completely yield to you, and when you do that, faith begins to rewrite your whole future. Yes. When you place your faith in God, Jesus said not one thing will be impossible to him that believes. I want you to hear these words? Nothing shall be impossible to him who believes. Nothing. One man with a demon possessed boy said to Jesus, I love this story. He came to Jesus His son regularly threw himself into the fire, threw himself into water, was very self-destructive and suicidal. And the, the man, the father came to Jesus and here's what he said. He said, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Well, what a statement of faith about Jesus. If you can do anything. And you know what Jesus said? I love this. Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. He said, it's not if, of course I can. The question is, do you believe I can? One man wrote, faith is like a flashlight. No matter how dark it gets, it'll help you find your way. Think about this, every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of the handle of anxiety, or we can take hold of the handle of faith. How do you live? When you wake up in the morning, do you grab the handle of anxiety and push that plow all day, full of fear, full of angst, full of doubt, full of uncertainty, or do you grab the handle of faith and say, everything is possible to him who believes? Prayer is asking God for rain. Faith is picking up an umbrella. I prayed, here it comes. I like people that are always walking around with umbrellas. What what are you carrying that for? Because God's about to rain on me. God's about to rain on me. And I'm expecting it because I prayed for it. I like umbrella people. I want you to be umbrella people. Walk in here with your umbrella. We're expecting the rain of God. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. What most people don't realize is, faith is not a pill you take. It's a muscle you use. If you don't use your faith, it'll make like a muscle, it'll atrophy and die on you. Truly with faith, you can use it or lose it. I'm not saying you're gonna lose your salvation, but your fruitfulness, your power, your walk with God will all disappear if you don't use your faith. The world says, seeing is believing. Let me see it, and I'll believe it. Faith says believing is seeing. Faith is a substance of things you're hoping for. It's evidence, proof of things not yet seen. They're there. They're in God's promises, but they haven't arrived yet. But faith sees it. Faith cuts through the fog, cuts through the dark, cuts through what you can't see, and says, Welcome. To that which has not yet arrived. Faith. Can you say it with me, faith? faith? It's the evidence. If you got faith for something you don't see yet, then it's as good as here. It's as good as here because faith sees what your natural eye can't see. Now, the Bible teaches that faith is the means by which we obtain the promises of God. Faith is the means. I used to fish. I had a fishing boat. I had a bass boat when I was in East Texas. I really got into it. And and here's the thing about fishing. This is real basic. This is fishing one-on-one. But you throw that line out there and a fish hits that lure, the only thing keeping you in touch with that fish and that guarantees you ever getting it into the boat is that line. The line brings in the catch. Your faith is the line. You cast it and you grab hold of the promises of God. And though they fight and struggle and seem to elude you, you reel them in by the line of faith. By faith, we obtain the promises of God. The Bible says, we don't want you to become lazy brethren, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises of God. Faith and patience work together. I believe it, it's there, it's mine in God, and I can wait for his timing. I can wait for his timing. A lot of people have the faith, but not the patience. And they give up, and they create an Ishmael like Abraham did. Abraham had faith, but he didn't have the patience the timing and he made a huge mistake. Faith and patience reel it in. Sometimes when you catch a big fish, which I did in the ocean before, took me a couple of hours to get it in, but I finally got it in. Fingers bleeding, gut hurting, but shouting glory. Now the writer gives us two prerequisites to operating in faith. But he begins by pointing something out. He says, let me give you the terms of the agreement that when you come to me, I'm gonna answer you. But here's the terms. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, let me just begin by pointing something out that I didn't see till this week when I was getting this message ready. It begins with a person coming to God alone on their own behalf. They're not expecting somebody else to pray for them. They've decided this is a time in my life when I must come to God and have a meeting with him between me and him alone. So he that comes to God, the person in our passage is approaching God alone. He or she, who comes to God. So here we got a person coming to God alone in the prayer closet with the door shut on their own behalf and something is on their mind. They need something. They need to hear something. They need to be with him. The passage does not say when someone else comes to God on his behalf. The passage says, "He that comes to God himself." So this person is getting serious with God. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have others pray for us or that we shouldn't pray for others. But folks, there are some things only we can come to God for, for ourselves. Let me give you some examples. Our own salvation. He that comes to God must come to him himself if he wants to be saved. How about repentance, forgiveness, to maintain our daily fellowship with him. I do that every day. I go to God alone, me and him, in the prayer closet to receive a word of personal direction. Just to name a few, we need to go and pour out our hearts before him, between us and him alone. How often are you doing that? How often do you go to God alone? How often do you shut People Magazine, in case you have it, turn off the TV, take the phone off the hook, go into a room, shut the door, stop all intrusion, get on your knees and say, God, it's me coming to you in the place of prayer. There's no one else. I need your audience. Once a week, twice a week. See, there ought to be times all the time when we go to him alone in this respect. Faith is like a toothbrush. We should all have one and we should all use it daily, but don't use somebody else's. Ah. Use your own toothbrush and use your own faith. You won't go to heaven on mama's coattails, I promise you. You won't go to heaven based on grandma's walk with God, or you won't go to heaven based on the name of a church sign. You will go to heaven because you went to God between you and him alone and said, it's time for me to get right. It's time for me to get to know you. It's time for me to walk with you. Here I am, Lord, in the place of prayer. Then the writer says, secondly, this person that comes to God must believe that he is. Now, I got to believe it means more than just believing that he's there because how in the world, why would you even be going to him if you hadn't already decided he was there? So it's, it's, it's talking about more than just must believe that he is there. Here's what I believe it means. It means we must come to him with the confidence, confidence that he is who the Bible says he is. He's the sovereign God the all-merciful God, the prayer-answering God. John said, we have this confidence. We have this confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions we've asked of him. Now notice in that verse, there's two no's. Not hope so, maybe so, perhaps so, no so. How do I know I have the petitions I've asked of him unless I believe something about him. He that comes to God must believe that he is, that, 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 that we can trust in his word, the promises in his word, his fidelity to his word, his truth, his wisdom, his promises. And if we don't, It's impossible to adequately approach him. You're not going to approach a God that you don't think is going to hear you, that doesn't care about you, that's not listening without this kind of confidence. Here's what we're going to be dealing with all the time endless doubts, haltings, and fears, and they'll paralyze us. So here's the terms of the agreement Faith says he is there, he's a good God. He's pulling for you, he's fighting for you, and he wants to answer you. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Now, he that comes to God must believe he is who the Bible says he is. That's why I love the word of God. It tells me he's my provider, my healer, my peace, my ever-present help, my redeemer, my savior, my guide, my strengthener. He is my alpha. He's my omega. He's going to be the one that raptures me off this planet. He's coming again, and he's built a place for me in glory. I believe those things about him. Amen. So he that comes to God must believe this. Now, the second thing he says He's a rewarding God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now, I got to tell you, this is not lukewarm Christianity he's talking about. Diligently means this is not a casual seeker. He's not describing somebody that is a casual Christian. It's not a once a week seeker. It's not a, whoops, I'm in trouble again, God seeker who only wants to go to God to get out of trouble. As soon as they're out of trouble, they're away from God again. He's talking about a diligent, 100%, totally committed seeker that he's describing. Diligent means I'm doing something with my whole heart. There is nothing half-hearted about it. God said through Solomon, you will seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart, all your heart, there's almost a desperation to, it. I've got to have God. I've got to find God. I've got to come to know him. I've got to press into him. I've got to know him better today than I knew him yesterday. I'm hungry for him, thirsty for him, longing for him, pressing into him.
0: When we're forced to believe in what we can't see, it can be hard to get on board. Society tells us that the only thing worth investing our time in is what we can see right in front of us. Today, we learned from Pastor Jeff that if you want to move on from the empty promises of this world, you need to give your life to Jesus. Let Him take on your burdens and be set free from what's holding you back. Be transformed by God's perfect gift of grace. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Here's more on that. Have you ever doubted your place in God's kingdom? Have you ever felt insecure about what you're putting your faith in? Next time with Pastor Jeff, we learned that as improbable as it may seem, if you want to change your life around for the better, you need to let God's grace wash you clean. Turn your life around right now by accepting God's perfect love. Invest in eternity and leave the pain of this world behind. God's free gift of grace will always be enough. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the series, The God Who, next time on Hardwired.